Welcome everyone to the Business Lens. This is the St. John's County Chamber of Commerce's podcast featuring myself. My name is Bo Phillips. I'm the Senior Communications Manager here at the St. John's County Chamber and Bob Porter who is our Director of Public Policy. Hey Bob. Good afternoon Bo. It's great to be back. This has been a lot of fun doing this podcast and now five episodes in. It's something that I, I think we both look forward to. So thanks to you guys, thanks for everybody for joining us. We're going to go ahead and get started today with the St. John's County Commission. Uh, I understand that as we have brought to you in a, in a short update, impact fees have been uh, revised. They have, Bo. The County Commission on April 3rd, about a week ago, approved a stepped-level increase in the economic development impact fees that essentially means that come July 2nd, the fees will increase by about 75% of the total, and come January 1st, it'll be fully implemented. So the really the word of the wise at this point is if you're anticipating building a house or building a new commercial structure, you need to get your applications before the county in before those two dates, or you will see, in some cases, an increase in the impact fees that you'll have to pay the county. And I know that the process that the, the commission went through, impact fees are allowed to change every so often. And originally, that change was going to be quite a bit more drastic for commercial. Absolutely. Uh, originally, as proposed by the uh, county's economic development consultant from uh, uh, the University of Florida, we would have seen anywhere from 60 to 80 percent increases in the level of economic development impact fees that, for example, if you were a business owner and you wanted to build a new building in St. John's County, you would be paying 50, 60, 70, 80 percent more in impact fees. After we worked with the business community, our constituency, and went back and started working with the uh, commissioners on this issue and basically making the argument that raising impact fees by those levels would be counterproductive. The commission directed the county administration to reduce those proposed dramatic increases in impact fees. The important thing to know from our listeners' perspective is that the category of building most important and most frequently built in St. John's County will actually see a nominal increase of less than a half a percent in impact fees. And I know that another important topic that the commission is going to tackle is concurrency eventually. Absolutely, and that's an issue that a number of commissioners have expressed great concern, as have, frankly, a number of our members, that fixing the impact fee structure was a good first step, but fixing the whole idea of transportation concurrency fees is something that we want to press very hard for, and the commission is very interested in getting into that uh, issue because the way that the, the concurrency fees are set up right now it, again, it's, it's almost counterproductive to economic development in the commercial sector. So that is good news. Uh, that is good news for especially the business community, but the community overall, that impact fees have been reduced and that we're, gonna, we're going to have a look at the concurrency fees. Absolutely. Moving on to the city of St. Augustine, a much-discussed topic has been panhandling, and the city has revised and passed their panhandling ordinance? That is correct. After basically about four months of, of working 
on the issue on March 26th, the uh, city commission approved a distance-based panhandling ordinance that became effective just last week, as a matter of fact. And the, the notion behind it is that panhandling and aggressive panhandling is prohibited within 20 feet of the opening of a restaurant, the opening door of a restaurant or a business, an ATM, a parking lot, a transit trolley stop, basically places where people congregate and panhandling will be banned within 20 feet of those locations as well as being banned 200 feet from any school, including nursery schools, primary uh, schools, that type of, those types of entities. Is this any type of panhandling? This is panhandling as defined in painful detail in the new ordinance. Basically prohibits someone from touching you, aggressively asking you more than once for money, standing in your way and blocking your ability to freely move around. And by all accounts, in the week since the new panhandling ordinance has become effective, we have seen a noticeable decrease in the number of panhandlers in and around the downtown business district. And also in the, at the city, uh, the city of St. Augustine has passed or has made permanent an event moratorium. That's correct. This is an issue that came up a couple of years ago when the city passed a temporary moratorium on any new very large events at uh, Francis Field. And that temporary moratorium was due to expire early next month. The uh, city has approved an ordinance making permanent most of those requirements that have been in effect for the last couple of years while maintaining the traditional events such as Rhythm and Ribs, such as the Seafood Festival, the Celtic Festival, the uh, St. Augustine Art Association Festival. And if you notice a thread with all of these, it's basically nonprofit organization sponsored events that give back to the community that have been grandfathered in but we will no longer see for example during nights of lights from the middle of november until the end of january or in march and april the height of our festival season any new large events uh, being authorized by the city should help put a lid on additional traffic congestion and the off-used term of mobility that the city has been grappling with for the past three or four years. Really, it seems like an attempt to ease the congestion during our peak times. That's precisely what it is designed to do. There has been a lot of discussion about the term tipping point recently within the city commission and tipping point is defined as kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And a number of commissioners recognize that we are rapidly approaching the tipping point as far as how many people can physically get into our town on any given day for any given event. And this is one way to address, to address that issue while still allowing the local nonprofit organizations to continue doing things, these events that have become part of our uh, uh, city's history. And it certainly sounds like they're open to creative events driving tourism during the slower times of the year. 
That is precisely it, and, and frankly, Bo, it's a balancing act between representing the interests of the citizens and the business community while still providing an enjoyable experience for our out-of-city, out-of-county, and out-of-state tourists. It's always important to remember, and it's easy for us to forget, that if not for those tourists that come in, they eat at our restaurants, they stay at our hotels, we collect taxes on that. And frankly, the primary reason the state of Florida doesn't have an income tax is because of the tourists paying the sales taxes and the use taxes. But it certainly is a balancing act, and it appears that the city at least is trying to find that balance. Absolutely. That's their their goal is to find the happy medium between keeping the city of St. Augustine a livable city and keeping it a prosperous city. Well, that kind of brings us to a close as far as local legislation goes. However, we certainly want to talk about our event, Politics in St. John's, and especially frame it in the light that we are, the reason we're having politics in St. these two Politics in St. John's events is because of the upcoming election, and it's really going to be an exciting one. Bob, you've given me this list of important races, especially for, for us here locally. The U.S. Senate seat, uh, Bill Nelson's U.S. Senate seat, the U.S. House, our gubernatorial election, the Attorney General, CF, basically the entire uh, state cabinet, our flo- both of the Florida House seats that represent St. John's County, potentially three of the five county commission seats, three of the five sit, uh, City of St. Augustine commission seats, and three of the five St. Augustine Beach commissioner seats. So there are, there's a lot going on. And I know that just recently, Governor Scott threw his hat into the ring in the U.S. Senate seat. Yeah, Bo, it's going to be a very exciting year, I think. And the lists that he read are just the major offices that are up. We also have untold number of judges whose elections, uh, who are standing for election or re-election. We have everything from the Anastasia Mosquito Control Board down to individual neighborhood organizations that have official representation. Uh, So this is going to be a very exciting year, I think, and probably the most important thing about our politics in St. John's meet the candidates events is that it will give you an opportunity to come and meet the candidates face to face and talk to them about what's on your mind whether you want to talk to people running for the county commission or the city commissions talk to a state representative potentially we'll have gubernatorial candidates there and potentially we'll have u.s house and u.s senate candidates or and or their campaign staffs there. So it's just a great opportunity to come out, meet the candidates. A neat feature of the Politics in St. John's Meet the Candidates events that is a carryover really from two years ago is that Vicki Oaks, the supervisor of elections, will be conducting a straw poll not only at St. Augustine, but also in Ponte Vedra Beach for the first time. So it'll give attendees the opportunity in a completely unscientific poll, but still a very fun way to familiarize yourself with the voting machines, if nothing else, but also to express your uh, interest in a very broad group of candidates who will be listed for each of these offices. It's a great way to encourage participation. And I know from, I enjoy the political process and certainly do get satisfaction from, from voting, from 
from whether it's, you know, in the old days it might have been punching a hole in something to today, you know, it's filling out filling out the ballot. I know that I get it. I, I know that I get excited about that. And hopefully we can create some excitement in others as well. Well, it's also a fun we noticed from a couple of years ago that uh, parents bring their children. And the kids can come with mom and dad into the stand in line and actually go up to the machine and learn about our uh, electoral process firsthand when mom or dad or whoever uh, they're with is actually uh, voting. So it's, it's educational, but it's just a fun way to express your opinion about what you think about the candidates. Well, and certainly... The races themselves are going to be very interesting. I, I mentioned Governor Scott throwing his hat in the ring in the U.S. Senate race because he just did that recently, and that should make for a very interesting Senate race. It is going to be an interesting and incredibly expensive United States Senate race could potentially be the most expensive United States Senate race in the country's history because you have two very uh, strong candidates with very strong abilities to raise a whole lot of money, which, sorry folks, you're going to be seeing a lot more advertising this year from both of those candidates for that seat. But honestly, the political pros are telling us that the Florida, whoever wins the Florida Senate seat will potentially, could potentially cause a change in the makeup of the United States Senate and who's in control, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. So that's a very important decision that we'll have to make come November. And at the gubernatorial level, uh, I know that Adam Putnam has been really a front runner in raising money, but there are a lot of interesting candidates in that race as well. There are. There are so far two announced candidates, current Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putner, Putnam and current uh, United States Congressman Rick DeSantis. On, we're still waiting to see whether Florida Speaker of the House Richard Corcoran is going to throw his hat in the ring as well on the Republican side. And then on the Democratic side, we've got former U.S. House member Gwen Graham and current Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum and former Miami Beach Mayor Philip Levine running for the Democratic nomination. Uh, they're all particularly strong candidates with very diverse constituencies, and it's anybody's guess at this point what the final matchup will be in November between the uh, Republican and Democratic candidates. And certainly here locally, uh, having so much of our local delegation up for election is very interesting. So the controlling vote in each of our local elections is is on the table. Absolutely. Our city commissions and the county commission have five seats. And in each of those jurisdictions, potentially we have three of the five seats uh, up for election or re-election. Now, it's interesting in St. John's County, for example, the longtime commissioner from Ponte Vedra Beach, Jay Morris, uh, announced late last year that he was not going to run for re-election. So for the first time in eight years, residents in the northeastern part of the county uh, will have an opportunity to vote for a brand new county commissioner to represent their interests. And so far, I think we've got three very strong, evenly matched candidates who have indicated their intention to run. They're all raising money. They're all out hitting the stump. But I think that level of excitement will just build through the summer. Well, I, for one, am interested to see the level of voter participation throughout the country in the upcoming election. And here at the chamber, 
we want to help create an informed electorate. So we encourage all of you to join us for Politics in St. John's. The first Politics in St. John's event is going to be in Ponte Vedra on July 16th. And the second one is going to be on August 1st in St. Augustine. And we want to help you be as confident as possible when you go to the polls and fill out your ballots during the August primary and the November general election. So that is going to wrap it up for our fifth episode of The Business Lens. As always, Bob, thanks for sharing all your knowledge with us. This has been fun. This is what I live for. <laughs> and uh, I can attest to that, having worked next to him for now, now, now we can almost say years, huh? Yeah. So if you're interested, remember, guys, you can find this podcast in your podcast app on your iPhone or your iPad. You can also find it in the Google Play Store on your Android device. And you can always go to our website at sjcchamber.com forward slash the business lens or actually the podcast. You can find it under the members area there. You can find the business lens. So we hope to uh, hear from you soon and get some feedback. And thanks very much.